Hello, my name is David Ewan, and this is Resurrection Center Radio. My pastor is Pastor Jose and Pastor Millie of the Resurrection Center, located in Indian Orchard, section of Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, the website is www.resurrectionspringfield.org, and the radio station is at Resurrection Center radio.com. Uh, today I'll be talking for a discussion associated with our Bible 101 class that we've been having. We discuss five books of the Bible at a time and today I'll be talking about Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. So let's give you a quick summary and then we'll go into each book more deeply. So with Ezekiel, um, in this book, God chooses a man to speak for him to Israel to tell them the error of their ways and to teach them justice, and that's Ezekiel. Uh, in the book of Daniel, Daniel becomes a high-ranking wise man in the Babylonian and Persian empires and has a prophetic vision or a set of visions concerning Israel's future. And in the book of Hosea, Hosea is told to marry a prostitute who leaves him and he must bring her back. And this story is a picture of God's relationship with Israel. And in the book of Joel, God sends a plague of locusts to judge Israel, but his judgment on the surrounding nations is coming too. And in the book of Amos, we learn about a shepherd named Amos who preaches against the injustice of the northern kingdom of Israel. So those are the five books, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. So let me first talk about Ezekiel. So Ezekiel's role in the Bible. Let me tell you about the role in the Bible. Ezekiel is the fourth of the major prophets. When God had a message for the people, he spoke to them through prophets. Men moved by the Holy Spirit to be to speak on God's behalf. Okay, Ezekiel prophecies prophesies, I should say, during the same time period as Jeremiah. But while Jeremiah is in Jerusalem and Egypt, Ezekiel is in the land of the Babylonians. So Jerusalem has already been conquered twice. The first time the Babylonians took Daniel and the noble families of the land back to Babylon. Eight years later, the Jews rebelled and the Babylonians took the king and 10,000 captives. One of those captives was the priest named Ezekiel. All this had happened because the Jews had broken God's laws. They were supposed to worship God and God alone, but they turned to the idols of the surrounding nations. They desecrated the temple of the Lord and brutally persecuted his prophets. So, God disciplined them, like he said he would in Deuteronomy. The Babylonians came once, then they came again. But instead of turning to God, the people still chased the gods of the nations. They still mistreated the poor. They still disregarded God's laws. Now, it's been five years since the Babylonians last attacked Jerusalem. The Jews in the city would soon revolt again, but they'd been rebelling against a far greater king than Nebuchadnezzar for a long, long time. 
Israel has a worship problem that they cannot, cannot fix. But even now, God doesn't leave them without hope. He chooses a man to speak for him to the people, to tell them the error of their ways and to teach them justice. He chooses a watchman to warn Israel of the coming storm. Ezekiel is the watchman and he sees some incredibly sad things on the horizon. The people have broken God's heart with their lewd idolatry and self-serving leaders. That's the first thing. The second one is because of Israel's rebellion, God is withdrawing from and destroying Jerusalem. But the news is, but I should say, but the good news is that's not all he sees. Okay, so there are a few things he sees. Number one, God will render justice not only on Jerusalem, but on all the other nations who have led her into idolatry and celebrated her in destruction. The second one, God will form a new covenant with the people of Israel, but he will lead them himself as a good shepherd and they will be reunited under David. And the third one, God will defend Israel from her enemies in the dark future. And the fourth one, there will one day be a new temple in Jerusalem and the glory of the Lord will one day return. So Ezekiel may be the watchman, but it's really God who is watching out for Israel, even as she rebels against him. The theme verse of Ezekiel is chapter 3, verse 11, which reads, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? God to Ezekiel. And that's in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. But with the larger-than-life visions and watchman status comes from some tremendous hardships for Ezekiel. Jeremiah may be known as the weeping prophet, but Ezekiel has his share of suffering also. Let's look at them. So God takes away Ezekiel's voice, rendering him mute for seven years. And we learn that in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 27 and 33, verse 22. He can only speak when the Lord has words for him to share with the people. The next one, Ezekiel is tied to the ground on one side for 390 days and on the other side for 40 days. He eats cakes cooked over cow feces for that time too. And the third one, Ezekiel's wife dies, but he is forbidden to mourn the loss. Her death is a sign that Jerusalem will be destroyed and Ezekiel's response will mirror the Jews. So Ezekiel gives us a glimpse of the new relationship God plans to make with his people. His Holy Spirit will dwell within them, and that's in Ezekiel 37, verse 14. His glory will be among them. That's in Ezekiel 43, verse 1 through 9. He will be their God, and they will be united under a righteous king. And that's in Ezekiel 34, verse 24. Ezekiel also devotes a great deal of attention to what the restored Israel's land and temple will look like, and that's in Ezekiel 40 through 48. 
So that's all I wanted to talk about Ezekiel. Now we go to the book of Daniel, our second book in our discussion today. So Daniel, it's all related about God's long-term plan for the world. The book of Daniel is a compelling record of God's wisdom and sovereignty, and it's a key book to study if you're interested in biblical prophecy. Daniel is the last of the major prophets. The others are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and he was a captive of Judah. The book of Daniel plays several roles in the Bible. Daniel's life serves as an example of godly integrity. His visions paint a prophetic landscape for Daniel's contemporaries. Jesus Christ references Daniel when he describes the future to his apostles. Daniel's role is unique in that its intended audience is not necessarily Jewish. The book was written in two languages, and in Daniel's ministry seems more weighted towards supporting the government in Babylon than leading the Jewish community. Another in interesting thing to note, Daniel is one of the few Old Testament books that explicitly references a bodily resurrection. In Daniel's last vision, an angel tells him, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, and these to everlasting life, but the others will disgrace and everlasting contempt. And that's in Daniel chapter 22, verse 2. The angel even promises Daniel's resurrection in the end, and that's in Daniel uh, chapter 12, verse 13. Isaiah was right. Jeremiah was right. Uh, Habakkuk was right. The Babylonians had attacked Jerusalem and carried off many Jewish captives. One of them was a young man named Daniel. Daniel quickly distinguishes himself from the men of Babylon. He is loyal to his God. He is wise beyond his years. He can even interpret visions and dreams accurately. Daniel's gifts are from the God of Israel, and the young man becomes a living testimony to his God in a strange land. Daniel also has vivid symbolic visions about the future of Israel, world, kingdoms, and the kingdom of God, exposing us to some of God's long-term plan for the world. The book of Daniel is about how God shows his everlasting wisdom, power, and faithfulness through one of Israel's greatest prophets. God's wisdom is pervasive in the book of Daniel. In God's wisdom, Daniel was brought to Babylon to give counsel. Through God's wisdom, Daniel is proven to be a trustworthy prophet, even capable of interpreting other people's dreams. A gift only shared by Joseph in Genesis, which is in chapter 41, verse 15 of Genesis, and an unnamed man in Judges, which is chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Daniel attributes his vast wisdom of insight and understanding to his wide God, which he describes in Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. Daniel puts God's sovereignty is on display. Uh, he puts uh, God's sovereignty uh, on display. And the God of Israel is consistently called the Most High God in the book of Daniel. He is the one who raises and removes kings. He is the one who establishes new world empires. 
he is the ancient. Uh, I should say, he is the ancient of days on the throne. That's in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. He is the God of heaven whose kingdom will never be destroyed. And that's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Daniel's visions show God's faithfulness to his people. God shares, care. I should say, God cares for his people and gives them a set of prophecies that point to the events that come in later days. Daniel prophecies or prophesies about the Messiah, the temple of Jerusalem and coming kingdom of righteousness. Through Daniel, God promises a full restoration of Israel. Daniel can be neatly divided into two parts. The first half is primarily narrative and concerns Daniel's life in Babylon under foreign kings. The second half is mostly a record of Daniel's visions concerning Israel and world empires. There are many interesting similarities and contrasts between the two halves. So in the first six chapters of Daniel, Daniel interprets visions for foreign kings. God's fame among the nations is emphasized. Daniel's stories are written in third person. Most texts are written in Aramaic. Okay, and then in the last six chapters, God gives visions directly to Daniel. God's faithfulness to his nation is emphasized. And Daniel writes in first person. And most text is written in Hebrew. Although Daniel is rich with prophetic visions, the book is better known for its narrative passages in the first half. Many of the stories from Daniel's narrative sections are taught to children, and several English idioms are referenced to this book. For example, the fiery furnace story involves Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three friends, defy King Nebuchadnezzar's command to worship a golden image, and the king hurls them into a blazing furnace. God intervenes, however, and the three are miraculously unharmed, and that's in Daniel chapter 3. Another one, the handwriting on the wall is a reference to God's work in the fifth chapter of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar's descendant, Belshazzar, uses vessels stolen from the Jews' temple to praise other gods, but is interrupted when a hand mysteriously appears and writes a cryptic message on the wall. Daniel is the only one who can interpret the message. God will repay Belshazzar by handing over his kingdom to the Medes and the Persians. And uh, the next one is in the lion's den episode, okay? This is when Daniel obeys God rather than men. Daniel has been awarded a position of power in Babylon over the uh, Medes and Persians, overthrew the Babylonian king Belshazzar. Daniel's peers are jealous and trick the king into making prayer to God illegal. Daniel does not stop praying, and so he is thrown to the lions. God delivers Daniel, though, and he survives the night in the lion's den. And that's in Daniel chapter 6. So that's all I wanted to say about the book of Daniel. Now I'll talk about the book of Hosea. This is the book of Hosea. So the northern kingdom of Israel had turned her back on God. 
The book of Hosea is about God's unending love for an unfaithful people. It's the story of God and the unfaithful nation he loves anyways. Hosea's book is the first of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. When God had a message for his people, he gave his message through prophets. These messages came in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. While most of the Mayanar prophets were from the southern kingdom of Hosea, Hosea was from the north and ministered to the north. He does mention the southern kingdom of Judah a few times, though. When God chose Jeroboam to rule the northern ten tribes of Israel, he was prepared to establish Jeroboam's bloodline the same way he had done for David. And that's shown in 1st of Kings, chapter 11, verse 38. Instead, King Jeroboam set up two golden calves and instituted a pagan priesthood, forever cementing his legacy as the one who made Israel sin. And that's shown in 1st of Kings 13, verse 26. But we're talking about the book of Hosea. So Israel had left the one who had saved her, loved her, and made her his own. The southern kingdom of Judah wasn't far behind. Hosea is especially famous for his marriage to the prostitute Gomer. His role and Gomer's profession don't strike readers as the best match, and their marriage certainly would have attracted some attention when it occurred, so why does it happen? Hosea marries a harlot, that's a prostitute, because God was proving a point. Israel had treated him in the same way. Gomer treats Hosea. That's the dynamic that sets Hosea apart from the rest of the scriptures. No other prophet so squarely focused on the intimate relationship uh, God holds with his people, even when they betray him. So God tells a man named Hosea to marry a harlot, a prostitute. Hosea marries her and has children, but she leaves him and commits adultery. Then God tells him to go after her and bring her back. Hosea's marriage is symbolic of God's covenant relationship with Israel. Through Hosea, the Lord tells the story of Israel's disobedience, his discipline, and his steadfast, faithful love. For example, rejection and betrayal. Hosea's wife, Gomer, leaves him for another, just like Israel has left God to worship idols. Rejection and discipline. Just as Israel rejected him, God will reject her. Israel and Judah will fall to other empires and will be taken away from their promised land. The next one, restoration and reconciliation. Hosea brings back his adulterous wife and loves her again. In an even greater way, God will not forget his love for Israel and Judah, nor his promises to them. He will bring them back to their land. He will restore them to himself and to David, their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and his goodness in the last days. And that's in Hosea chapter 3, verse 5. So here's a quick outline of, of Hosea. Okay, basically Hosea's wife is unfaithful to him like Israel is to God. And Hosea brings his wife back like God will do for Israel. And then Hosea explains God's plans for Israel. Um, and that's in Hosea chapter 4, verse 13. So uh, I, I should say uh, chapters 4 through chapter 13. Um, 
Israel's idolatry against God, Israel's impending punishment, God's loving discipline, and God's promise of restoration. So that's all I wanted to talk about Hosea. I will now talk about the book of Joel. So Joel is the second minor prophet who ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and they began speaking in tongues. And this is on the day of Pentecost. Peter explains that this is what Joel prophesied about in Joel. And that's in Joel chapter 3, verse 28 through 32. A devastating swarm had come to Judah, the southern kingdom. This was no small infestation. The people had never seen anything like it. And, in, and I'll read to you the scripture, Joel chapter 1, verse 4. What the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripped locust has eaten. And again, that's in Joel chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, next, the crops were gone. The people were hungry. The cattle were hungry. What was happening? Well, the day of the Lord was upon them. When God was delivering Israel from slavery in Egypt, Egypt, I should say, he sent a plague of locusts on the Egyptians, crops. Now, hundreds of years later, he was judging his people with the same kind of plague for straying away from him. But God also sends his prophet Joel. Joel explains to the people what the Lord wants from them. Repentance. The Lord would soon have his day both with Judah and the whole world. Joel's message has two strong points. The first one, God is judging Judah, but he will bless and restore them again when they repent. The next one, God will judge all nations on Judah's behalf. So God disciplines his people, but he also defends them. Joel says that although Judah is under God's wrath right now, in the future holds many exciting things for the people of God. For example, uh, the Lord will pour out his spirit on all mankind. The next one, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. The third one, the Lord will avenge Judah for her, of her enemies. And finally, Judah will once again become a land of plenty. Joel's message is stern for the disobedient, but it also highlights God's love and desire to be with his people, rather than let them starve after sending the locusts. God sends Joel to direct their hearts back to him. The theme verse of Joel is uh, in chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. Again, it's Joel chapter 2, verse 12 through 13, and I'll read. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. And that's in Joel chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. So here's a quick outline of Joel. Uh, God judges Judah, and God judges the nation. Uh, so when we talk about uh, Joel, um, chapter 1 through 2, uh, God sends a plague of locusts to Judah. God calls Judah to repent. God promises to restore Judah from the plague. 
when we talk about God judging the nations, that's uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, through chapter 3, verse 21, and that is God promised us to pour out his spirit on all mankind. God provides opportunity to repent before the day of the Lord. God judges the nations on behalf of Judah. Now, that's all I wanted to say about Joel. So now let me tell you about the book of Amos, the book of Amos. Uh, Amos was a simple shepherd in the southern kingdom of Judah. He wasn't a prophet. There were no prophets in his family, but God had a message for the rebellious northern kingdom of Israel, and he chose Amos to deliver it. And that's described in uh, Amos chapter 7, verse 15. Amos is the third of the minor prophets, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. When God had a message for the people, he gave his message through the prophets. These messages come uh, in visions, oracles, dreams, parables, and the like. Okay, God had made Israel his chosen people. That's shown in back in Exodus, and he was to be their God. But when the kingdom divided, the northern tribes turned their backs on him. The Lord's temple and priests were still in Zion, but Israel worshipped new idols at the cities of Bethel and Dan and created a new order of priests and listened to false prophets. And now, while God has mercifully given them peace and prosperity under King Jeroboam II, the nation was abusing its own people. The, the rich were oppressing the poor. The judges were accepting bribes. God had promised to bless the nation if they obeyed him and cursed them if they rebelled. And that's talked about in Deuteronomy. Israel rebelled, and now judgment is coming. But God isn't going to punish Israel without explaining what's going on. So Amos, the shepherd, the tree trimmer, goes to Bethel, and it's a royal city of idol worship, and proclaims God's message of justice, punishment, and restoration. He makes two bold prophecies. Number one, King Jeroboam will die. Number two, Israel will be carried off into exile. Okay, the theme verse of Amos, behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless, I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. And that is in Amos chapter nine, verse eight. And Amos was a prophet from the south, Judah, whom God sent to the north, that's Israel. This book focuses on God's sovereign justice. So let's talk about uh, the first one, God is sovereign. He created the universe. He is the one who allows cities and nations to fall. He is the one who rescued Israel from Egypt. The Lord of hosts is his name. Uh, the next one, God is just. Before the nation of Israel entered the promised land, they made a covenant with God. God promised blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And again, that's shown in Deuteronomy. Israel has disobeyed and the judgment is on its way. Amos claims that Israel will be carried away into exile as a punishment for their rebellion. His prophecies come true when the Assyrians conquer the northern kingdom. The book of Amos reminds us that God's blessings don't always coincide with our obedience and are often in spite of our disobedience. 
Amos also shows us that God demands justice for the poor. During their time of God-given security, Israel had abused her most insecure citizens. And this is described in Amos chapter 4 verse 1 and chapter 5 verse 11 through 12. This is a crime God considers worthy of punishments. God's standards on this haven't relaxed with time. Even though the book of Amos is a message of impending doom, it isn't without notes of hope and restoration. Amos urges the people to seek the Lord and that they may live, and even foretells of a day when Israel will be restored from captivity and reunited with Judah under David's line of kings. So we talked about five books. We talked about Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. So a reminder for number one, Ezekiel. God chooses a man to speak for him to Israel, to tell them the error of their ways and teach them justice. The second one, Daniel. Daniel becomes a high-ranking wise man in the Babylonian and Persian empires and has prophetic visions concerning Israel's future. The third one, Hosea. Hosea is told to marry a prostitute who leaves him and he must bring her back. A picture of God's relationship with Israel. And number four, Joel. God sends a plague of locusts to judge Israel, but his judgment on the surrounding nations is coming too. And finally, for the book of Amos, a shepherd named Amos preaches against the injustice of the northern kingdom of Israel. My name is David Ewan, and this is Resurrection Center Radio. Um, I'm from the Resurrection Center. My pastors are Pastor Jose Martinez and Pastor Melly Martinez. We are in Springfield, Massachusetts. This is Resurrection Center Radio.